everybody it is evening tea time and i did it again three shows morning afternoon and evening tonight i am super excited because i have a returning guest and you know how miss liz loves having guests return because then i get updates and i get to see a familiar face and the ice is already broken from the last show so i have natasha dean here and she is an amazing best-selling author teacher and boss of her pets that's right if you looked in the video in the intro you seen that she is the best boss of the pets so if anybody wants to be the boss of their pets reach out to natasha dean because she's the girl for that so i am super super excited to have this tea time and to bring you some new books that natasha has out so spooky uh, spooky slots <laughs> three and four and as you've seen in the video it's creative writing and it's going to be children's writing we're going to talk about a lot of cool things tonight and we're going to just spill a good tea and if natasha remembers i'm going to ask her what her tea is so we'll see if she can give me a good tea tonight so we're going to do the disclaimer and then the bio and then natasha's going to slide in and we're going to spill some tea together disclaimer for miss liz's tea time live show miss liz myself is going live using Streamyard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forth dialogues and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussions for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that the show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer and inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in tonight's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time, I respect those wishes and we'll see you at a later show at a later date and time. And again, 2023, all shows are done on a Thursday, 10, 3, and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Every Thursday, three live shows. And if it's not a Thursday, it's a rescheduled show or it's a surprise show because that's just how I roll. So stay tuned for that. And those are done on a Monday and a Tuesday. So now give me a little bit into Natasha Dean. Well, I'm not going to give me some info. I'm going to give you some. So Natasha Dean is a best-selling author who writes for kids, teens, and adults. Her novel is The Key of Nira Gandhi, won the Amy Mother Teen Book Award, Spooky Slurs, The Ghost Tree, was a school library journal best book of 2022, and her most recent yeah, title, YA title, the Signs of the Wonders of Tuna Rashhar was a Globe and Globe and Mail top 100 books for 2022. We're going to talk about that one because I, I just noticed that. Natasha is a Queen Elizabeth II Platinum Jubilee Medal recipient. When she's not writing, she's teaching in introduction to children's writing with the University of Toronto. 
SCS and spends an in, internet, I'm not sure, intro net amount of time trying to convince her pets that she's the boss of the house. And for more on Natasha, you can check out her website, which will be on the screen during the live screen. So let me get Natasha in here and let me get some tea. So welcome, Natasha. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. And hello to the listeners. Thank you for joining us tonight. Well, Natasha, it's always a pleasure when you when the guests come back. Because then you know you're doing something right because they want to come back, right? Yes, that's exactly true. Absolutely. And it was a lot of fun last time. So, Natasha, I'm going to start off like I started off with everyone this year. Who were you as a little girl and who are you now as a grown lady? Oh, I, I love the idea that you think I am absolutely different than I was as a kid. So <laughs> I, I am not. I still really want candy. Uh, I still really want a nap. I still just want to hang out with pets. Uh, and I still do not like schoolwork. So I that is who I was and that is who I continue to be. <laughs> I love it when the guests always say that they, you know, I haven't really changed. Like I still want my candy. I still, you know. <laughs> I love that about you, Natasha. Like you're you're so like right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Natasha, it's been almost a year since we've been together. So what mm -hmm. been a year? Oh, uh, well, the Spooky Sleuth series came out, and that's been that's just been like so much fun watching uh, reader feedback and and seeing um, young readers get into the story and uh, teachers telling us how much they love the books. Uh, there was also, like like you said, The Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad. She was named a top 100 book uh, for 2022 from the Globe and Mail, which was like just absolutely lovely. Um, so it's just been a really, really fun year. And uh, yeah, I know it's it's been a really fun year. I get I get a chance to to write. I get a chance to you know when I'm teaching, I'm basically just hanging out with fellow authors and we're talking about writing and stories. And it's just you know this once a week thing that we just get to lift each other up and have a great time um, and bring these like wonderful stories into the world. So these writing uh, writing clubs are they done at the University of Toronto or are they done like around Toronto? They are done. So the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies, uh, they offer some really, really excellent programming when it comes to creative writing. And they have uh, two streams. So you can go in person uh, and attend classes in person or um, you can attend online. And for me, since I'm not based in Toronto, all the classes that I teach are online. And the lovely thing with the online classes is that they're all recorded. So you do not have to attend them live. So you, you are allowed to have a life um, and pursue your writing at the same time. And they actually have a certificate, I, I believe, for um, I'm trying to remember the title correctly. I think it's the certificate for creative writing. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, they've got they've got lots of good stuff there. So, Natasha, you're talking about this new book that I've never even heard of is the YA title, The Signs of the Wonders of Tuna Rashar. What what? What, what was that book about? So the in the Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad, uh, you have Tuna, who is an aspiring screenwriter, and it's the summer before she leaves uh, home to go to school to become a professional screenwriter. And this summer, she's absolutely determined to finally go on a date with her uber crush, Tristan Dangerfield. Um, and... The only thing that's kind of stopping it is that uh, Tuna's older brother, Robbie, he suffered a sudden loss. His husband died unexpectedly. And for the last year and a half, he's been sort of in this grief spiral. So Tuna decides through the summer she's going to get Robbie out of his grief. Uh, and then she's going to date Tristan. And so, you know, you've got this... Um, this confluence of different things and the thing that makes the book a lot of fun is that it is uh, firmly steeped in caribbean heritage so caribbean culture uh, says that our ancestors they watch over us and they send signs and wonders um, to you know help us on our way and to send these little messages that they are looking out for us and that they are taking part in our lives uh, so it's got a very cool little edge of magical realism in it 
Uh, and though it, it does deal with grief and loss, it's, um, it's actually quite a funny book. Uh, and so it's gotten really, really great feedback and really great reviews. And I'm terribly proud of it. So what age group is that one for? Uh, so Tuna is young adult. So she would be 12 and up. Um, and I, yeah, I, I would say 12 and up, maybe 14 and up just because grief it can be kind of a hard thing to, to deal with. So depending on how uh, your young reader reads and processes, they might want to wait a couple years before they they dive into it. So, do you have any Caribbean bloodline in you? I thought you were from Ghana, Ghana, Ghana. No, <laughs> no, I am. I am from. Uh, <laughs> I am from Guyana, which is in That's South right, America. Guyana. Yep, and that is it. You know, uh, Guyanese people. It's kind of funny because we're part of a continent, but we are considered part of Caribbean culture. And oh. uh, yep, and Guyana is the only English-speaking country in South America. So we're right by like Trinidad and Tobago. That's that's us. Oh well, Besides I know where Suriname. Trinidad and Tobago is because that's where my adopted little boy is. Like, well, he's not a little boy anymore. He just turned his big three zero. I think he just turned thirty. So. Well, uh, congratulations. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a young boy that I uh, kind of uh, mentor in that. So, so nice. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. I'd love to go one day. So, if you ever, if you're ever going back that way, let me know. Yeah, <laughs> will do. Will do. <laughs> so, have you ha have you been back home? No, no. Uh, when we left, um, there was quite a lot of violence going on, um, and so my parents. That was one of the reasons we immigrated to Canada. And I just haven't had an opportunity. We keep talking about it as a family to, you know, go back and revisit all the places uh, that I grew up because I was there for five years. Um, so it's still it's still in the works and we'll we'll see what happens. Well, if, if you do go back, I'll jump in the suitcase. Like, I okay. promise I'd be Sounds really good. quiet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm jumping in everybody's suitcase. When they go on a trip, I'm like, uh, uh, pack me. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so let's get into the number three and then the number four. I want to know about these books because I bought number two, I believe, at Christmas time last year. I have it here uh, for my grand grandchildren to read when they come over. And they absolutely love it. So oh, what, what's, what's uh, the difference in three and four? Um, so the series for, for readers who don't know, um, this series is about Awesome and Rockshar who live in Lionsgate in uh, Washington. And Lionsgate is a research town. So Awesome's family has moved there because both his mom and dad are scientists. But as far as Awesome is concerned, this is like the creepiest place they have ever lived because there's like floating lights in the sky. There's people that disappear into the mist. There's all these like weird goings on uh and in book one there is this tree in the deserted cemetery that seems to be growing at a very very fast rate and seems to be having a very negative effect on people and awesome is convinced that this is a supernatural entity from caribbean folklore uh Raksha, on the other hand thinks that because it's a science town that probably what's happened is an experiment has gone wrong. So through the, the books and through each book, there is a different um, supernatural creature that may or may not be in the town. And Rakshar and Awesome and their friends, you know, they, they tackle this problem. So the series is wonderful because it showcases STEM. It showcases the scientific method. It's, it's very sort of... Um, fact-based that way but <coughs> it also really really celebrates the idea of this the supernatural um and spooky things that go on and it's one of those great books that's like great for like your seven eight nine year olds and also all the way up to your 12 year olds uh and the chills are exactly that they're like spooky chills they're not gonna like blow anyone out of the water or scare you know scare any reader uh young reader too too badly um, and the, uh, the illustrations are from Lissy Marlin, who is absolutely incredible and brings such a, a level of delight and joy and creepy to the pages. Uh, and so in book three, um, Awesome is convinced that there is a fair maid 
swimming in the waters. And fair maids are the Guyanese version of what mermaids would be. And they are not Ooh. pleasant creatures at all. Uh, rocks are again. Really spooky. They are very spooky. And the thing with fair maids is that the thing that differentiates them is that fair maids can come onto the land. So there is no getting away from them if they decide they're going to come after you. They're coming for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then in uh, book four, uh, their student teacher may or may not be Old Hig, who is a Guyanese witch. And so, um, you know, the book is really, the books are really, like, they were so much fun to write and create because you get to go in, as a writer, I got to go into both sides of these characters, right? What if this is just science? But then again, what if this is supernatural? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I really love about creating these books is that there's such a, a strong um, nature of collaboration and support. Uh, neither one of these characters is trying to prove the other one wrong. They are generally, um, they genuinely want to know what the truth is, and they genuinely want to know what the answer is. And if they are wrong, they are wrong, and that's fine. Um, but the thing that I really, really love is that at the end of each book, it is up to the reader to decide which one it was, because it is never really answered. And you know, and both. Rockshar and, and Awesome have very, very good reasons for why they believe what they believe. So the readers get to decide for themselves if it's spooky or if it's science. I, I, and I love that that choice is there because we need these types of books, right? When you're reading mm -hmm. it and then you know there's another one coming, but you mm -hmm. get to make a choice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love that you leave that open for the readers and especially at a young age to give them that option of picking and choosing, you know, cause each child is different. Some might say it's spooky. Some might say it's science, yep. you know, uh, have you ever gone into a class and asked them like, like had like a, like a rally, like some are spooky, some are science and then kind of figure it out. That would just start a war, Miss Liz. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Especially with that age group, right? <laughs> you just you let folks decide. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking now, and if you had them in the right order in the back of you, Natasha, mm, you yes. have book one, book two, book three, book four, right? Yes. Yeah. So I have book one. Oh, yes. The, first one. the ghost the one. tree. So I have to get book two and three and four because my, yes. my, my step-granddaughter really loves it. She she loves the, the storyline and all that and, and brought good conversation too, so. Oh, that's wonderful. So, I'm, glad yeah. she's, I'm glad she's enjoying it. That's, that's well, lovely. And she, she thinks it's pretty cool that it's one of Miss Liz's tea time guests, so. Nice. She's like, you really <laughs> know her? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it just makes it more fun, right? Like, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, it adds character to the story as well. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, when you know, like I have this library of all the people that I know, all of their books. So I can say, I know that person. I know that person, you know, and then I show them pictures and they're like, oh, you do, you know? <laughs> so they're starting their own little library now of people that they would like to talk to or get to know. So it just opens that door, right? I know when I had you on last year for season three, we we talked about one story at a time. And that's why I wanted to put that in the video because on your website, you have that one story at a time. So mm -hmm. what does that mean for you, Natasha? Uh, so yes, on my website, the, the tagline is change the world one story at a time. And what it's all about is just a reminder that for all of us, um, at heart, we are storytellers. By default, we are storytellers. We we come into the world trying to make sense of it, um, you know. And I think, like, you know, when you think about the stories you you were told and the stories you tell uh, when you're small, you know, like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and you know, what what is thunder really, you know? Um, and it's all these like just sort of these magical, lovely ways that we find to explain the world. Uh, and then as we get older, I mean, we have these like personal experiences too. Um, they can be happy or sad um, and they all kind of help create uh, the worldview we have, right? And how we think of the people around us and, and how we want uh, the world to change and how we think the world is beautiful all at the same time. And so changing the world one story at a time is just the reminder that 
our stories have value and our stories have worth. And we should always feel comfortable telling and sharing our stories because that is what makes the world go round. And that is what, you know, that's what makes the sun rise and set is, is our stories. So we should always feel comfortable sharing our stories. And I thought it was really cool when I had you last year on because I'm one cup of tea at a time and you're one story at a That's time. Right. So we're all like one, one, one. Like it takes one at a time. You know? It does. You know, and it's just like your book series. It took one at a time to bring. So when you go into the next story in book four, Natasha, do you bring any of the characters from book three? into book? Four? Oh, all of the characters are that all the folks that show up in book one, are there in book two, three, and four. So oh. uh, yeah, so it's it's something for, for those of you who are out there um, and you're looking to write stories for the little, so the ages like six to nine and up into like the nine to 12, um, and you're looking at a book series, you always wanna repeat characters because it it's a very great way to sort of set that foundation. Then when they jump into book two, well, they already know these guys because they went through this adventure with them last time. And it just becomes that much easier for them to engage in the story. And do you add new characters for each book? <clears throat> yes. Yes. Well, uh, there's always a new creepy villain who may not be a villain, but who might be a villain uh, who shows up in, in every book. You just never know. Um, so, yes, there are there are additional folks who get added uh, with each book. So who did you add in book four? Oh, well, that's a great question. Let me think. Because that's the last one, right? Book four, or is there book a four is so we've got uh, the captain um, of the. Uh, oh no, sorry, that's book three. Uh, I was thinking, gee, that's odd. I don't remember the captain being in book four. In book three, we are um, we have the captain because that's the fair maid story, but in book four, uh, we have um, the student teacher. I'm Miss Nazima. I'm trying to find where she comes in uh yes yeah, so awesome comes late to school because there's this there's this odd thing that happens um he sees something like falling from the sky and it could it be a meteorite like what is it it's like a ball of fire and it goes behind one of the the houses um and he goes looking for it and ends up you know uh <laughs> falling into the hole and someone he does not know who it is. Someone saves him. But when he crawls out of the hole, there is no one there. And the hole disappears behind him. Um, and then later on, he sees somebody. And it, he's certain. He's certain it's Ms. Nazima, the student teacher. Um, but is she or isn't she the person that he saw? And is she a good person or a bad person? Uh, we don't know. We'll see. We'll see as we go through the pages of the story. So is there a book five coming? No, not yet. It's a four book <laughs> series. She's like, it's <laughs> she's all excited. <laughs> you know, you, you can always add this crazy tea lady in there somewhere, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I well, always tell all of my authors that they come on tea time. You know, you could just slide Miss Liz in there somewhere, you know? Like, right? Well, we do know that real life people inspire our characters. So you could very well either be a character or have contributed to the part of a character that shows up in someone's story. Right. And mm -hmm. not even have the name of Miss Liz. But when you buy the book, you're like, aha, now I got it. Yeah. <laughs> this person seems really familiar to me. Right. Right. So do you have any other books that you're working on at, at the moment, Natasha? Yes. Uh, so um, along with this series, I do another series called the Lark and Connor Baugh mystery series. And that one is straight contemporary, um, straight contemporary mysteries. So things like who stole the earrings from the general store, um, who has, uh, who's playing pranks at the community theater, who has destroyed this person's uh, entry for the baking contest. Um, and so book eight, I just handed in book eight. So I'm, I'm expecting edits back soon. And uh, we're also just in the final stages of the anthology. Um, so one of Canada's most well-known uh, characters, literary figures, is Anne of Green Gables. And Acorn Press 
uh, has come out with an anthology for um, with an uh, with an Anne for everyone. So it is Anne. Mm -hmm, it's Anne being taken on very very different adventures, and this may not be the Anne that you remember or the Anne that you know, but it is an Anne. So in my case, uh, my Anne is in an alternate dystopian future where they are burning books and she has to make some very, uh, very important decisions. Wow. That's, that's incredible. When is that coming out? Uh, I think it comes out either spring or fall of 2024. Oh, have to keep our eyes mm. open for that one guys. Yeah. That one sounds interesting. And how did you come about doing that story? Uh, the editors reached out to about, I think it was like eight or 12 different authors. So, uh, Paul Katya, um, he's doing a, a boy Anne um, who also likes boys. Uh, Susie Maloney is doing a horror version of Anne. So there's there's quite a few like there's some really like I'm, I'm quite excited uh, because again, you know, like when we talk about changing the world one story at a time and a writer's voice and the kinds of stories that we tell, um, here we are, we've all been sort of given the same parameters. Uh, and now we get to see how each of us has come up with our Anne. So I'm I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like. I think it's being it's going to be really good because it it sounds like it's going to be a really diverse book. So there's mm -hmm. going to be a lot of diversity in there, a lot of understanding, and that's what tea time has been all day. We started off with multiculture, and then we went into acceptance, and here we are with you know diversity of opening up and sharing our stories. You know, mm -hmm. and everyone has the same project, but everybody comes up with something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly mm -hmm. it. You know, and, you know, I was thinking too, like, just how, um, when you were talking about being a character in a book and, you know, one of the fun things uh, about being a writer and is just like th that inspiration we can get from all of these different sources and all these different places. Like, I remember as a kid watching the X-Files and just loving you know, loving the storyline, loving how creepy it was, and especially loving the episodes where you didn't quite know what had happened, right? You weren't quite sure if it was aliens or if it was something like completely explainable. And then, you know, when we were looking um, just like a few years ago when Stranger Things came around uh, and you had the, like there's the straight supernatural like action adventure and, um, and so that's, you know, when I was thinking about Spooky Sleuths, I just love the idea of doing like an X-Files meets Stranger Things with a Caribbean twist. Uh, because I thought, you know, like, I don't know how many people know Caribbean folklore. I don't know how many people know about some of our myths and monsters and like, what a great way to, to introduce them into like the, the bigger, the larger world than just the, the Caribbean folk. So is there a lot of mystery monsters? In your in your, in your well, well, you know, like <laughs> you know it's really funny like so years and years ago um for for canada's oh shoot not the centennial but i think it was like the 125th birthday um but you know there was a lot of celebrations going around and there was a theater that wanted to kind of celebrate one of the things that i think makes canada a really cool country which is that we incorporate diversity and we pride and try very, very hard to be a multicultural um, country. And so there was a bunch of us that gathered and the idea was that we would tell stories from our cultures and tell stories from our countries. And I was sitting and I was listening to people tell these stories and a lot of them were like origin stories, right? Um, how, why, why the rain falls and why like this particular thing you know always be like why is the stone there and and all these things and i was laughing to myself because i was thinking you know i don't know um that caribbean culture has origin stories like that and if there's any caribbean listeners like you know let let me know because i feel like what it is that defines caribbean culture is this this idea that like of course supernatural creatures exist and of course there is these like the there are these two worlds that exist and it is your responsibility as the human to understand, you know, and to govern yourself accordingly and to not do silly things, you know. So in uh, the ghost tree with Spooky Sis One, the uh, tree that inspired the story is called the Dutchman tree. 
And there's various different stories about what the Dutchman tree is. Um, but the story that I grew up on as a kid was that these were the trees that housed the souls of the enslavers. And so you were never supposed to go near them because terrible things would happen. And there was lots of stories about, you know, people having accidents and, you know, all these kinds of things. There's actually a tree that was granted, um, like, <laughs> countrywide status that it should never be touched because they were trying to bring it down to build a road. And there was just, like, all these really bizarre accidents that kept happening. And finally, people were like, no, like, you, you, this is a Dutchman tree. You can't touch it. So when you go um, to, if you go to Guyana, you'll see like the road was built around the tree and the tree is still standing. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's stuff like that too. Like the idea of the fairmaids that of course fairmaids exist. Like who cares, who cares how they came to be? You know, the point is they are there and they own the waters at certain times, you know, during the evenings and you don't go near them, right? You don't go near the water at certain times because it is not your place to go near the water during those times you know well, so. it's almost like here in canada well in the united states too i believe at nighttime you're not supposed to be on the water you're supposed oh. to bring your you're supposed to bring your boat in you're not supposed to be traveling on the water at nighttime is uh, there is there a myth around it do you know i'm not sure but now i now you have me curious i'm going to do some mm. research because you have to come in when it gets dark uh, yeah for anybody that takes their boating license, like my spouse took it and you have to be off the water when it turns dark. Like you cannot be on the water uh, or you need to park yourself off the shore or something like you're so, you know, the water does have characters in it. I truly believe mm -hmm. that as well, Natasha. Like I believe there's mermaids. I believe that there's things that happen because if you're sometimes sitting by the water in a park or something at nighttime, you hear these big splashes. Yes. You, yeah. you, hear, you hear movement in the water mm -hmm. and you're like, where is it coming from? You know, I, 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 guys. Well, the water is big, right? The water, water is very big. I mean, we're still, you know, all of a sudden you'll, you'll hear like scientists have just discovered this like gigantic fish that nobody knew existed until now. And you're like, yes, because water is deep and big. And there are many things that live in there that we will never know about. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, they had, um, and now I'm, my brain, it can't remember, but there's, it, it's a zone in the, in the ocean where like, I think it's, um, I'm trying to remember how many miles it is, but there's a certain amount of like mileage in yeah. the ocean where sunlight can hit. And then after that, there is, there's no it's light. Deep, it's dark. Right? It's it's the abyss. And for years and years and years as a kid, I heard nothing can live there. Nothing can live there. And it never made sense to me that you would have this like vast, vast ocean and all this water. And then you can only live in the first like layer. The first and then, layer. Of course, <laughs> right? And then, but of course, as like technology and science evolves, they're able to, to go deep. And all of a sudden they're finding like these amazing creatures and I know there's one, there's a snail, like they've actually found uh, creatures who live by the underwater uh, volcanoes. And so they can, they can live in these very, very hot climates um, and, and they can like survive on the sulfate. And there was like this one particular snail that lived near the, like lived right next to these volcanoes. So they're living right in the fire of it. Their shells are actually iron. And there was, and I'm trying, so fact check me on this, uh, friends who are listening, but there was something about them and sulfur. And so it was like, it was this article and, and something had come up and someone underneath had commented and said, that's not a snail. That's a dragon. You're right. <laughs> yes, it's, See, it's and that's true. what I believe. True, I believe that right? there's water dragons, yeah. you know, in the deep darkness. And I, I, as you're sharing, Natasha, I'm thinking of little Nemo, like, Oh, you know, yes. that fish with the light bulb. <laughs> yes. And that's one of the, I can't remember an angler, an angler fish. Maybe I'm trying to remember the name of it, I'm trying but to yeah, remember that's exactly the fish that lives in that area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I had Bob Gonzalez on and he, he, he fishes the big deep sea uh, and that, and we talked about this fish because he had a picture with this fish and I was like, Oh, they really do exist. Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. And they're, well, they're ugly. And, well, <laughs> Well, I, I would say, respectfully, Liz, 
they have a different kind of beauty because I do. Uh, I think they're. I think they're very interesting to look at. Like, I, well, they're I creepy, just, right? <laughs> like they're spooky. Like, yes, they are. They are kind of spooky, but I like unusual. You know, I I like it when things are beautiful in non-traditional ways, and those teeth and that like little bulb that lights up. Right. You know, I just feel like yeah, you you go along with your bad self. Like, why not? You know. <laughs> but there's also um, what do they call them? It, it, it's sea sheep or. Yeah, I think that's what they're called is is sea sheep. So they're a, there's this they're a little type of I can't remember if it's a I don't know if it's a slug. I can just see the picture of it. But if you if you ever Google um, sea sheep, and there are these tiny tiny little creatures, and they are so super cute because they do look like little teeny tiny sheep that live in the water. Um, and so yes, I mean like you know this is this is the fun part of of writing and just existing in the world is like. There's so many things that we can take inspiration from uh, for our stories. Well, it's a good way to open up education as well, right? Mm -hmm. People doing the research and checking if it's facts or fiction, you know? Yes. Or, like, I'm going to check out the she sheep and see if they're cute. Like, they're probably the cutest I, little I, thing, but I they probably bite. <laughs> no, no, no. They're really tiny. Like, they're, they're super small. I think you need, like, a, a really very sort of specific lens to actually take a photo of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so many, like, there's just so many beautiful creatures that, that exist in this world and and we only ever really know a fraction of them, right? Like, you know, when I'll, I'll be talking to someone, they'll mention like this kind of moth or like this particular kind of caterpillar or, or butterfly. I've never heard of them before this, this kind of snake. And then I'm like looking it up and, and just being like, so amazed at all the, the variety of, of beauty and life that exists in this world. Yeah, there's just so much out there that we haven't even seen yet mm -hmm. you know? and then when we find it we're like oh this month how long has this been around and then research 100 years a thousand years and you know but there's a lot of things that are in the water that i don't even think we've even seen a quarter of it oh know? no no i don't think like, so either there's so much of the, the ocean that's hidden which i love i love so, on so many levels wondrous and creepy i love so Natasha, have you ever thought of writing a book about the, the great big sea? No, no. But I mean, I feel like I kind of got a chance to do that with uh, Don't Go Near the Water, which is the Spooky Sluice 3 book, uh, because I got to, you know, there's awesome in the boat looking out into the waves and like positive something is following the boat and no one else seems to see it. And then, you know, and then just being like, no, 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 there's there's actually someone climbing up the boat, you know, and, and he's like, you know, he's grabbing rocks and he's like, look, look, it's a fair maid. And she turns around and she's like, no, that's, that's a seal, you know, um, which was really fun because I think um, it's a European myth and I can't remember which culture it is that uh, they're called selkies. So they were oh. mermaids, but they could change into seals. If, if my, if my faulty memory um, is is serving me properly and all the remembrances uh, because one of the things if if you don't know listeners uh, one of the things about publishing is publishing takes quite a while so at the point in time um, a book comes out you right so if, if a book came out today that book was probably contracted a year and a half or two years ago um, so you know with with writers like we're always kind of moving on to the next project um, and so there's only so much, at least for me, there's only so much room my brain, you know, my brain has, but I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's selfies and they would turn into seals um, to, to hide themselves from, from the humans. I think that's really cool. I, and I bet you they do exist. You know, there's a lot of things that transform and, you know, like even human beings, like when I'm walking, sometimes I'm like, you know, is that a bomb? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm starting to look at people now to see, <laughs> like, if they're walking a little different, if they're walking too straight, you know, like, mm -hmm. the step, the footsteps. Yeah, I'm just, I'm on guard. I'm looking and I, you know, we have a lot of things that are coming that are futuristic. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, they're going to put it in the middle of everyday activities just to see if we're really paying attention. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that. So years and years ago, um, and I can't remember the term they had. It was a marketing. It was marketing and, and promotions. And what they would do is they would hire people to go into like coffee shops 
um, to discuss products. And so, and not like, oh, hi, have you heard of this product? They would have them hire, uh, they would hire them and they would go in and just be like uh, customers. So you're sitting at a table and you can hear, you know, these two people talking about like the latest, I don't know, iPhone, Android, what, what have you, uh, or like the latest book by this person. Oh my gosh, isn't it the most amazing thing? Um, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, this is a great conversation. But no, they've actually been hired to do it, uh, which I think is really interesting. But um, and I don't know. I don't know if they still do it. It was like really, really early on, um, like maybe early 2000s. I kept hearing about this. Uh, but, you know, when we think about technology, there's a there's a restaurant and I don't know what city it is in Japan, but they use robots um, to serve you. And the robots are powered by people who um, are, I think, paraplegic, uh, paraplegic or quadriplegic. So they, they, they couldn't serve you um, however it's set up. Uh, so they, they, uh, they get to uh, control the robots that serve you. And it's, it's paid work, like, you know what I mean? So, and I just really appreciated that level of like accommodation and accessibility. I think like, you know, one of the things I really like in the way the world is evolving is that we are becoming more aware that not everybody uh, comes to the world in the same way, right? And so, yeah. um, you know, you see, you know, it sort of started happening in the during the pandemic, but even now where uh, grocery stores will have certain times um, in the day where uh, they won't play the music, they're going to lower the lighting so that people who have sensory issues or, or who can get overstimulated really quickly, they can go in, they can do their shopping, they don't have to worry about just being oversaturated with all of this noise and light. And, and I just really like that, you know, I just think like, yeah, like why, I don't think that's a hard thing to give people dignity and, and some movement in I, I like it when people give me dignity. So, yeah. you know, I never really paid attention to that. I'm going to be checking that out because I go shopping at different times and I'm going to see. Yeah. Know. They usually advertise it. Like there's usually a sign that says, um, you know, between this hour and this hour, we are accommodating, you know, um, by lowering the lights and, and uh, not having music. And, and there's something else that they do, but I can't remember what it is. But yeah, I just, I was just really impressed. I, I mean, again, we come back to, we wouldn't know that people need things like this unless they tell us, right? Yeah. So this is why it's important to share our experiences and, and share our stories. Like um, year, like a year and a half, two years ago, I read this really, really great article uh, and the writer was deaf. He identified as deaf. Um, and he was talking about how he had just learned that there was a saying in the hearing world uh, that things are falling on deaf ears. And he said he was like, and he, he wrote it so beautifully and I wish I could find this article again. Um, but he was talking about how much it, it hurt him to, to hear this. Cause he said, first of all, like, you know, the idea that deafness is something, um, bad for lack of a better word and he was talking about the fact that he really loves the silence and he loves coming to the world in in this way you know and this is how he knows the world but then the thing he said that I thought was was really important he said the thing that bothered him most is that the saying falling on deaf ears means someone who has evidence to truth and is remaining contrary or ignorant because and he said the idea that deafness would be um, on the same level or be equated with being willfully ignorant or um, stubborn in the face of truth. He said that was really hurtful and it was harmful because he was like, I'm not that person and my deafness does not make me that person. And I thought, yeah, you know, this is exactly, and unless he said it, no one's, you know, many of us wouldn't understand that. You know, so I just, like I said, I just, I just really love hearing about people's different experiences and the different ways that they move in the world and, and how the world, you know, slowly, sometimes too slowly, but slowly moves um, to accommodate so that people can, can understand that they have value and place in this existence. I love Natasha that you're talking about deafness because our afternoon guest is deaf. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so today was the first time we were getting captions on StreamYard and the importance of bringing caption to all platforms because they're not on all mm -hmm. platforms. So, you know, no. the awareness, uh, you know, opening up the mind to the differences out there and, the, you know, the, and stop looking at them as difficulties. Look at them as a difference mm -hmm. of opening new doors, new opportunities and and that as well. Because uh, this afternoon, Linda had said that her losing her hearing was also a blessing because she was able to uh, meet the deaf community advocate mm. deaf community she wouldn't have had any of that if she hadn't have gone deaf so yeah yeah that's amazing so natasha i want to get into your tea so okay last year you gave me an incredible tea so this year i want to see if you're going to give me the same tea because i'm going to go back and check next year's it's notes. the caribbean tea it's the black <laughs> it's the guyanese tea right it's it's orange pico black tea and, and with lots of milk and lots of sugar she gives yeah. me a flavor of tea instead of the words of tea. Oh. Natasha, I want <laughs> you did. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I love tea. I love tea. And it, like, it, I feel like the world is solved with a cup of tea. So that's kind of where I always go. Yeah. So Natasha, if I give you the letters T E A, what three words would you give me that start with those three words? Three letters. <laughs> tea every day, always. Please. Tea every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? That is you, Natasha, because <laughs> it really is. Sadly, it is you. <laughs> Anybody that knows Natasha knows that tea every day, always. Tea um, every day, always. Yes. I, I love it. it. It it's it's a it's a really fruitful cup of tea. So now I want to get into your word. I asked you to describe yourself in one word and you gave me changey. changey? Oh, yes. yes I, I yeah, am. I think that's how you would pronounce it, right? It is. It is. I'm changey. I'm changey. Well, because the idea, like, the idea that we um, are always this one thing is not not necessarily accurate to our experiences, right? Um, sometimes we're, we're quite happy and sometimes we're not. And, like, for any of us of a certain age, I mean, sometimes you get up and you're like, oh, I feel much younger than... Then I did, you know, then my age says, and then some days you get up and you're like, oh, I see the warranties are off on my knees. Okay. Okay. You know, or, or you're like hobbling around someone goes, what, what happened, man? What did you, did you fall? Did you hurt yourself? And you're like, oh, I, I sneezed wrong, you know? So some you gave me a crack, right? So changing, changing. And I like that. That gives me freedom to uh, embrace wherever I am in the moment, uh, emotions and experience. Well, and it's different. It's not like anybody else, right? It's not like I'm strong, I'm resilient, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, it, I, it's changey. It's I like changey. it. It's changey. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. got a nice ring to it. So I asked you your favorite color, and you were like, I don't really have a favorite color, but if I had to pick, you should pick gray. The shades yes. of gray, specifically, um, the 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 way the sky can get that like dove gray, dark blue color right before a storm hits that color I love that color but I always so I always used to say oh gray gray is my favorite color and I was in a school visit one time and this girl put up her hand and she was like Natasha gray is not a color it is a shade <laughs> it was like oh dang okay so I don't have a favorite color I have a favorite shade um and with the color again it just kind of depends on my mood because I'm changing right some days I really like green some days I really like purple so I love that people don't always pick colors. I like when they pick shades, you know, mm -hmm. or or signs. Some people will say, Mrs. I don't like color at all. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, it opens up the conversation. It opens up to understanding why you don't like color, why you, you know, certain colors might remind you of something bad that you don't want to remember, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but I want to get into your pets now. Because mm. we're, we're almost done here, but I want to know about these pets that you try to be the boss to. Well, uh, right now we have a 16 and a half year old kitty who uh, would be very, very annoyed to hear me say anything remotely like I am the boss of the house. Um, so to, to be clear, uh, in my spare time, I try to convince him that I am the boss of the house and I do not ever succeed. 
Like I genuinely have to build in, like there's, I've, I've learned how to write uh, with like, you know, with a notepad on my hand in these very odd positions because he's very much like, I have eaten, uh, I have had some water and now you will sit beside me and rub my tummy for half an hour before I go to sleep. Or, ah, I see you are awake. You may come and rub my tummy. And he's a very like, I'm sure many of us have these like very vocal talkative kitties. Uh, So there is no ignoring him. And one of my um, favorite memories of him is, you know, I think we'd had him for like a couple of weeks and he had come to us uh, because someone had dumped him and his siblings in a, in a, box overnight um at a, an off-leash dog park and, and someone had found them and taken them into the rescue and so uh i had this unbelievably young kitten and i had no idea if he knew how to use a litter box and then i'm trying to figure out how do you teach a kitten to use a litter box so we go through this whole process of me putting him in the litter box and you know getting there and and then rewarding him every time he used the litter box and i'm patting myself on the shoulder just being like Ah, I've done such a great job not realizing that if you give a kitten treats every time they use a litter box, they come to expect treats every time they use a litter box. And during the day, it's fine. But I mean, like, it's like 12, one o'clock in the morning, and he's waking me up because he wants treats. And, uh, and, and I don't know how to say no to my cat. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, let's be like, I'm just like barely awake, you know, like, I'm my voice is all, you know. Um, and so uh, my husband said to me one day, look, just close the door. And he's he's going to scratch at the door for a couple of minutes. Then he's going to get bored. He's going to go away. And this is how, you know, this is how you get him off of it. And I'm like, okay. So this one night <clears throat> I close the door and I hear him. And he had a meow that sounded like he's saying hello. So, you know, and then, and then he's very emotional. So you would hear, And then all you hear is, and I'm just like, oh no. Um, but I'm just thinking to myself, I'm I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm a grown person, I can do this. And then I hear the scratching, and it's just like ripping my heart down. I'm thinking, no, I've gotta, I've gotta stop this, I've gotta stop this, right? He he cannot because we can't live our whole lives with me never being able to sleep through the night. And so I hear him go, like I the scratching stops, and I'm like, okay, good. Good. Then after a couple of seconds, I hear this like really odd sound and then it stops. And a couple of seconds later, I hear it again. And then it, I realize that he is taking his three pound body going down to the end of the hallway, running at full tilt and try to break down the door. So it took two times and I like ran to the right, opened the door I grabbed him. Cause I was like, I love, I love every swaggery part of you that thinks you can break down this door but you were like two tiny pounds and you were too little to be doing this. Um, so he got the treats. And like I said, he is almost 17 and he, yep, I have not slept through the night. And I am, I am so okay with that because after we get treats, we get cuddled. And I don't know if there's anything quite like falling asleep uh, to your little pet, you know, curled up around you and, you know, with kitties and that, like those little rumble tummies going. And that's an excellent lullaby to fall back asleep too. So well, it's the patterns we get into with our pets, right? They expect it from us. It's like my cat, she's eight years old. And every time I go out, even if I just go for two seconds, I come back in, it's treat time. Yes. I taught her that as soon as <laughs> mom goes out and comes back, you're going to get a treat. And I've taught her to give me high five. So without the high five, she doesn't get it. So, yes. <laughs> so, you know, and then to get the water is to go to the sink. Then I have to stand her, wait for her to drink the water. Yes. Then she's like talking. And then it's a one, two, three countdown, like a little kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, our pets kind of are our stories as well, right? Yeah, they really are. They so really- have you ever written a story natasha on your pet no no but um you find in a lot of my books uh animals pets are there because i just i I love them unbelievably and yeah i you know just going back to what you said there was someone who had posted online and they said if you if you have trouble if you have a, a cat and you have trouble remembering to take your medication whenever you take your medication give your cat a treat because you may forget to take your medication, your cat will not forget their treat. And it's true. They have excellent, they are excellent little reminders. 
you know, cats and dogs too, right? It's time for the walk. What are you doing? Let's go. Why are you still sleeping? Do I need to pull the blanket off you? Okay, I'm going to have to pull the blanket off you. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Yeah, my little one knocks stuff off the dresser. She'll look like right at me and poof. Yeah. Uh, I'll be like, okay, I'm getting up. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw someone, um, they said the the ultimate proof that the world is not flat is because if it was, cats would have knocked everything off of it by now. And I just thought, yeah, that is, that is a true cat owner speaking right there. <laughs> so Natasha, if anybody would like to get any of your books, because you have a lot of series. So if people go to your website, mm -hmm. they can see all the series you have, correct? Yes. Yes, they sure can. And they can get the books from Amazon, Indigo, Barnes and Noble. Um, and if they have a, an independent bookstore that they really love, they can get those those books there too as well. So how many series do you have altogether? <clears throat> that is a great question, Miss Liz. I've actually never really counted. Um, off the top of my head, I'm going to say uh, one, two, three, four, maybe five, six, seven-ish. Maybe, maybe give or take a couple. Yeah, because yeah. you got quite a bit. Like if you go to the website, you guys can find all of the incredible books. I also found some uh, some true crime books. Oh, the true crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are uh, urban fantasy. Yes, yes, yes. So how many genres do you write in, Natasha? Uh, I think the, the fastest answer is to say the only genre I have not been published in yet is steampunk but any other oh. genre I've I'm published in. So well, I got a, yeah, I feel like steampunk is the next thing on the list. 2024 yeah. steampunk. Right. I can check all my boxes off then. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> so what final message would you have for anybody that would like to get into writing? Just do it. Just do it. I mean, like what's, you know, what's the worst thing that happens? You write, you find out it's not for you. What's the best thing that happens? You write, you find out it is for you. So just do it. So, and if anybody would like to work with you, how can they reach you? Uh, folks can reach me through my website. There's a contact button, so they can use that to shoot me an email. Do you want to read out your email address for the audio people? Oh, um, if you, so sorry, if you go to the website, it's it's like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a system, you, you just like, so you go to natashadean.com, N-A-T-A-S-H-A, d-e-e-n dot c-o-m and then you click on contact c-o-n-t-a-c-t and then the uh the form i guess that's the word we'd use the form comes up and you can put your message in there and and hit send and i shall receive it awesome and that's how it's done guys we we just do different flows different shows different kind of teas and we do Tea every day, always with Natasha. So <laughs> <laughs> tea every day, always. Yes. You know, I love that. I love that you, you said that Natasha, because that is you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously that was the same answer I gave you last year. <laughs> like last year you were like giving me all the flavors teas and I'm like, oh, here we go. She's, you're a tea drinker. I got that. So yes, I, I am. Before we, before we leave Natasha, what is your favorite tea? My favorite tea is orange pico, Tetley tea, orange pico. I love that tea. So do you drink it with sugar and milk or do you just- I absolutely drink it with sugar and milk. Yes. The more, the merrier. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Natasha, for joining me on Tea Time. I want to thank all the listeners and viewers. If you're listening to the replay, please push hashtag replay so I can see where you're coming in from. If you would like to see a topic or you'd like to see a guest that was on on any season, season one, two, or three, and four, you can reach out to me and say, Miss Liz, we'd like to have them back. We want to know more. We want to have some updates, all of that good stuff. There are some surprise shows that are coming up in October, so stay tuned for that. All I can say is somebody from season one is coming back, and somebody who was on season four enjoyed himself. He's a he. That's a clue. <laughs> is coming back because he enjoyed himself so much, and he wants to give you part two. So that's all I can say for now. And we'll be back next Thursday, same time, same place, with three new TEAs. And share these tea times. Subscribe to the channel. And let's just make a difference one cup of tea at a time because that's how it rolls. We flow and we serve tea in different styles on Tea Time with Miss Liz. And again, Natasha, thank you so much. It was an thank honor. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. And we will be back next Thursday. Check it out because Miss Liz will be back for you for more tea.